All right. Hello, my lovelies, and welcome to Booze and Bloodshed. I am your host, Susanna. And I am Cindy. All right. And what are we what are we drinking here today, Sunday? We or mom. (laughs) (laughs) We are drinking an apple bomb whiskey cocktail. Mm. Um, I like whiskey. So the recipe does call for uh, Crown's um, apple whiskey, but... We here in Montana, mm. we have um, a distillery that makes a apple pie liqueur, which is mm, chef's kiss. It's just delicious. So we substituted that in instead. Yes. So we've got our apple pie hooch. <laughs> Along with pineapple juice and a splash of cranberry juice, mm-hmm. shaken and poured over ice, it, it is delicious. It is really good. I would ten out of ten drink this all the time. No, <laughs> not all the time, but it's really good. Agree, agreed. This would also be another one that's good for a slushy in the summertime. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Got the tropical vibes yes, going. I think we need to have some of this at camping next this <gasps> summer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just bring a big old picture of it. Sip this by the lake. Mm-hmm. Woo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. What what case do you have for us today? Well, um, I have quite an interesting case. And I say that because this the story. Um, th- well, it's not a story. It's, it's a true case. Um, this murder occurred in 1982. Oh. Yet was not solved until 20 years later. Oh. Yeah. So kind of hard to fathom that. Um, That's kind of cool that they're able to solve it that far afterwards yes yeah um anyways so let me get started on this guy um so our story happens or takes place in olitha kansas and in 1982 olitha was a pretty um, it was it was a, it was a very small community. Mm-hmm. Um, today it's it's uh, rather large. It's off of Interstate I thirty five, and um, has much more of a presence in in Kansas than it did in nineteen eighty two. So our story starts on February twenty eighth, nineteen eighty two, in Olith, Kansas, um, and at that time the the main source of Employment in Olitha was Mid-America Nazarene University, um, a evan- evangelical university um, sit oh. in the heart of the Bible Belt. Makes so, sense. At 2.30 a.m. on the morning of February 28, 1982, um, a couple awoke to knocks at the door. Uh, to answer it to find their next door neighbor, uh, Melinda Harmon, at her door uh, in a panic, saying that her husband has been killed. Um, well, that's not good. No, no, especially in a town where, I mean, murder just does not happen. Right, yeah, if it was such a small community back then, I'm sure that was like, what? Yes, so... Melinda's husband was 25-year-old um, David Harmon. Oh, God, he was young. Yes. Matt's 25. Yes. Well, Melinda was 24. I'm 24. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many similarities. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so a very young couple, um, and basically uh, David was taking out, taken out in the prime of his life. So to go yeah. back a little, give a bit a little history on on David and Melinda. Um, they were both brought up um, in the um, Nazarene Church, mm-hmm. um, which, as I said before, is a very very conservative conservative 
evangelical organization. Gotcha. Um, so they met when they were young teenagers um, at summer camp. They both worked as um, uh, counselors um, at the summer camp run by the Church of the Nazarene. And um, during this time that the, in the, the summers that they would work there, David was kind of like, uh, um, he was kind of like the big guy at Bible camp. I mean, he they had a competition that, um, and he was the Bible champion, and oh, he was macho man. So he, yeah, basically in the in their setting, he was the guy, mm-hmm. you know. And um, Melinda, she was the daughter of a very high um, uh, high level officer in the Nazarene, the Church of the Nazarene. Okay. And so she was kind of the it girl, if you would. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the preacher's daughter type thing. Right, right. Um, anyway, so so very, they were the popular, or the, you know, like I said, the... Mm-hmm. the Everybody knew who they were. Yeah, they, they were the pinnacle of society in, 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 their, in this society. It's kind of like, like the... The captain of the football team and the captain of the cheerleading yeah, squad, yeah. like yeah, the 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 homecoming queen, mm-hmm. king and queen, kind of that vibe. Okay, yeah. So, um, but it, it, again, uh, in this, it's a very conservative church. Um, you know, uh, they say that you know we don't go to movies, we don't they don't go to movies. Oh no, that was why I didn't even know that was a thing because. <laughs> Not in our family, but <laughs> well, right. But like, what, what's wrong with movies? Well, because that that did not follow with their their beliefs um, for their church. Um, okay. you, they didn't drink, they didn't dance, and you didn't date anyone that did. So it was a very strict society. Very, very. I'm just not. I'm not going to comment. <laughs> but, thank you. <laughs> um, anyways, so um, they ended up getting married. In 1977, at the ripe old age of 20 and 19, um, David was an only child. He uh, grew up on on a farm. Um, I'm trying not to sneeze. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, at least it's not what I'm saying that you're making that face. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was trying not to sneeze. Okay, I'm okay. I'm good now. <laughs> um, and um, in 1981. Uh, David and Melinda moved to Olath, Olath, Kansas, um, because Melinda's father uh, secured her a secretarial job at Mid America Nazarene University, um, and then uh, David was able to find work at a local bank, uh, Patron State Bank, uh, where he worked there. And by all accounts, I mean they were a young, attractive couple. Uh, this community was very much so centered around um, the Church of the Nazarene, and so they they made friends fast. Mm-hmm. They um, were very because they're very bo- both very involved in their church, and just was a nice young couple. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty soon. Um, you know, David, you know, he gained some weight. Um, he uh, was very active uh, with racquetball in their in their church Bible studies um, and teaching the younger people. And as Melinda got into her uh, secretarial job at the college, she started to come in more touch uh, with. I guess you'd say the now movers and shakers of the the Nazarene Church, okay. uh, if you if you would. Mm-hmm. And one of the person that one of the uh, persons that she came in contact with was um, the student body president. So she worked in the dean's office as secretary, mm-hmm. and Mark Mangelsdorf was a student body president at the time at the uh, Mid American. Nazarene University. So they would have a lot of interaction. He would be 
uh, sponsoring, you know, different different student activities. And of course, would have to speak to the dean. And then there she was. And um, it seemed to hit it off, you know. Um, of course, you know, both both young people um, in started having a close friendship, okay. which was a li- little bit frowned upon in their in their church community. Right, a little taboo. Yeah. Because boys and girls can't be friends. Yeah. Anyway, so, she, so Melinda introduced um, Mark to her husband, David, and they seemed to hit it off friendship great. They played, uh, they were at the racket, playing racquetball together, uh, played, you know, different uh, basketball, different sports mm-hmm. um, a lot. And Well, at least it's good that she wasn't like, hiding this friendship from her husband or something. No, I I I I believe Melinda was attracted to to Mark um probably more because like I said he was kind of more of the it boy mm-hmm. now in their in their church and as opposed and that, to her husband. As opposed mm-hmm. to as opposed to David who mm-hmm. um by all means was still still had very good standing in their church, uh, very active in their church, but just kind of wasn't the wow. Yeah, he was. He wasn't the the macho man he anymore. Wasn't, he wasn't the Bible champion anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so you know, people would it was kind of started to notice that that Mark seemed to almost live with them. He was over at their apartment all the time. Oh, um, one of of. Uh, David and Melinda's neighbors, you know, remarked that he would be up early walking the dog and Mark's car would be at their place, you know, like. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so a lot of time. And um, to kind of give you a little bit of insight in Melinda, she, um, like when she was a counselor, or, you know, worked at the summer camp, um, oftentimes she would, would narc um or out uh young young campers or other um um camp workers that were in a relationship that maybe they might have kissed or you know uh, because yeah so gotcha. she was kind of a tattletale okay. and i don't know if that made her feel powerful or not or because her dad was high in in that in their church mm-hmm. yeah maybe um, just to her it was like that they were doing a big no-no and she had to well yeah report it, was it. her her duty mm-hmm. but one of her her co-secretaries at the the college i mean they had even turned in people at the college to the church saying that that they were being inappropriate with a member of the opposite what? sex even though it could have been just construed as as being friendly oh my god um, i just i don't i I don't understand that. No, I don't either. I don't either. And, um, but of course I'm, I'm, I was, we were raised in a different, in different circumstances. True. 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 Yeah. And, um, like I said, like even in courtship, you, you, you did not kiss. You did not have premarital sex. Um, and they wonder why their divorce rate was so high. (laughs) Well, Interesting enough, in the church, there wasn't a high divorce rate. That just wasn't an option. Well, okay. I guess that was the wrong phrasing. Um, I guess they wonder why they have unhappy marriages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And whether or not they recognized it, I think there was very much so things in this church that, you know, the women participated in and the men participated in. Like I mm-hmm. said, very conservative, very old-fashioned. They had their their gender roles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Very much so. Um Anyways, to to get back um, to to this, so like I said, they were you know pe- people in their church in their community was kind of starting to notice this threesome, if you would, mm-hmm. um, you know this this husband and wife and and their friend Mark mm-hmm. always being together, being inseparable, um, and sometimes Mark and Melinda spending time together uh, without David, which was very. Very much so eye-opening and, and, and a no-no mm-hmm. in their community um, that just didn't do that. So 
um, so that's kind of a, of a background. So you have this this friendship, man and woman, husband and wife, and then the friendship with with Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all right at the same age. I believe Mark and David were the same age, 25, and uh, Melinda's, of course, a year younger. Right. Um, anyways, so going back to February 28th, 1992, um, Melinda claims that she uh, was woke up um, by being uh, dragged out of her bed and dragged downstairs by two black men in their oh, house. That's a rude awakening. And um, they, the black men commented to each other that they thought they might have hit the guy too hard. It might have killed him. Um, uh, and then they were demanding of her to give give them the keys to the bank where David worked. And he did oh, have the keys to the door. Okay, right. But... It's pretty well known that just because you have the keys to the door does not know, mean you have. Yeah, you have the keys to the, get the keys money. Gonna unlock the vault, or uh-huh. I mean, most in you know banks these things are on timers and. Anyways, but she gave him the the keys to to the bank, mm-hmm. and then they hit her, and she blacked out. She said for more than an hour. Um. So when she did wake up, wait, how would she know that? Did she like take note of the time when she was being dragged downstairs? And I, then- I, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't say, but that's so that she was. She, they hit her on the cheek, and she blacked out for for over an hour. So when she mm-hmm. came to, first thing she did was to run to her uh, neighbor's house, and and th- this was a duplex. Mm. So oddly, okay. oddly enough, um, their neighbors they were wakened by an, a noise. Um, and that, I think that's how they established about the hour time lapse as between when they were awakened first by a noise mm-hmm. and then when Melinda came over. Gotcha. Um, anyway, so, so they answered her and she's frantic and saying that, um, that two black men had come into their, their house and that they murdered David. He's dead. Mm-hmm. And can they please call Mark? And, yeah. Wait, call Mark? Yeah. Not 911? Um, no, no. He's dead and like, please call Mark. I mean, I get like if Mark is your close friend, you probably want somebody that you're close with with you, but like you, my first instinct would be called 911, not right. Mark. Please, something. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so she, she that was her, her request. And so um, they did call the police uh, and they did call Mark and Mark only, he just lived like around the corner from him. So he was there before when mm. the police arrived. Okay. And um, so they went, the police went to investigate their their um, their apartment and there was no signs of forced entry. Um, there was no, nothing else was, was taken out of the house except for the, the David's keys to the bank. Okay. Um, upstairs, what they encountered, they actually thought David had been shot at point blank in the fa- in the head because you could not recognize him. Oh my. It turned out that he was bludgeoned to death. Oh my God. In Wait, so he was bludgeoned to death right next to her and she didn't wake up until she was being dragged down out of her bed? That's what she claims, yes. You just, are you... Just dead to the world when you sleep. I, you know, some people can't. I don't know. It doesn't get into that. But the 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 force at which his face was struck was so strong. His eyeball popped out of his one of his eyeballs popped out of his socket. Oh and my was god! On the floor. Ugh. Oh no! Um, and and like I said, they that initial initially when they first saw him, they thought that he had taken a a bullet uh, point blank. To his face. Oh my god! It was only later um, no. that they that it was that it was blunt force trauma. And um, <sighs> another odd thing is that Melinda, who was supposed to be laying next to him, well, there was blood spatter patterns across her pillow, not mm-hmm. interrupted by her 
mm. by right her, there should have been know, like a, like a silhouette or something right. yeah right and um also melinda's in her nightgown and there's blood splatters at the bottom of her nightgown from someone mm. that might have been standing away from this. Right. But there but she has no other blood splatters. There was brain matter up on the walls. There was oh. I mean, it, it was how she would have had to have been covered in, in, in something right. rather than just the hem of her nightgown. Yeah, at the very least covered in his blood, if not other right. materials. Right. Um, but the, but there's no but nothing. That's Anyways, suspicious. so they, um, you know, this is 1982. Um, this is what's said. Yes, it's suspicious, but we're going to post um, men at, um, policemen at the bank. So when it's opened, you know, hopefully to intercept. Well, of course, no one ever showed up at the bank. All right. You know, and... Um, also, they had the key. They probably would have gone straight there if that was even there. Even if that intention. was there, but it, but like I said, so so nothing there. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, other things in in interviewing Melinda um, a- after this, you know, they said she was um, she never. Asked how David was, whether he was, if he, is he alive? Is he, you know, is I need to go to the hospital or wherever he is to see her? She never asked, mm-hmm. never inquired, and acted like like a real bystander in kind of the whole thing, and just just as if as if it wasn't her husband was just bludgeoned to death, supposedly with her right next to him. Jesus, yeah, because like if that was me. I mean, like I, I would be a mess. I'd be hysterical. Yeah, like I would be bawling. I, yeah, I would be. Um, I mean, no. obviously, people cope differently. I understand that, but that does seem very weird. Also, the whole like she doesn't have the appropriate blood splatter on her. Like that's, I'm very suspicious. Yeah, yeah. So it, it is. It is. The the police are are um, you know they they start narrowing in on on Melinda and Mark because um, it's, it's kind of come out that they've they've had an affair and in, in an affair in the Church of the Nazarene is is what would be considered an affair it would be different um, than like our terms of an affair right okay. so in an so. Which means that they um, they went on walks together without David. Um, they <coughs> okay. <laughs> um, apparently, uh, it was once stated they didn't realize that oral sex was considered sex. Well, uh, you know, um, okay, some heavy <laughs> kissing and 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 anyways. And also, um, there was a mention that that was uh, death of a spouse was the Nazarene divorce. Oh. So. Interesting. Yeah. In, in some, in interviewing some of the ladies that David worked with at the bank, I mean, they said David idolized, idolized. Um, Melinda was always trying to buy, you know, her a gift or a new something. Um, and then they just did not f- have the same vibe that it was reciprocated in, in Melinda. Oh. That Melinda was not exactly happy in her marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he just, she just. Well, they married so young. Was I mean, married so young, and it didn't turn out, you know, probably the fairy tale that she thought it was going to turn out to mm-hmm, be. Mm-hmm. But then, in their and their religion and their beliefs, um, there was nothing you could do. You know, you that's right was your your boat in life. Um. 
anyways, so they they did take Melinda in. The police did take Melinda in for questioning. Um, and uh, lo and behold, here shows up her father, Mr. J. Wilmer Lambert. Again, he's very high up in, in the, the church. And the police explained to him that, you know, we, we need to interview your daughter. And, um, and he said, over my dead body, are you going to talk to her without me? And uh, sir, your daughter's not under the age of 18. She don't need you. So somehow, right? And he was very belligerent with them. Um, and somehow he got himself in the interview with his daughter. What? Yeah, yeah. Like, so you're interrupting an investigation. You need to leave. <laughs> um, of course, this is 1982. This is a more rural um, area uh, area in Kansas. Right. Um, the, and they just don't. I mean, they just don't encounter this. Um, also, one of the police officers at the time was also a member of the church. So um, here's this higher authority figure and probably, you know, sway. Uh, I mean, that influenced his his decision and letting him in. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess that's likened to like, you know, like, like politicians or like celebrities nowadays, yeah, you know, like, yeah, you know, they get this other, this, uh, special treatment mm-hmm, anyway. Mm-hmm. So when they started, uh, questioning Melinda, um, he didn't like the line of questioning. Her father didn't and said that, uh, that they were going to leave and, um, they would no longer be able to speak with his daughter, literally grabbed her by her arm, picked her up and hauled her to the, um, did the elevator and uh, they left. Sir, that, that is not was, how this works. Uh, well, that's how it worked. Uh, well, that's bullshit. Soon, um, she was, uh, her father took her back home um, to Columbus, Ohio, and they, they, the uh, officers, the police department was never able to speak with her again. Um, they couldn't like get like a warrant of some sort. No, like, whether uh, it wasn't thought or or what, but that was basically the end of of talking with uh, Melinda. So they uh, started focusing on on Mark. See, this is why we need to have the separation of church and state. <laughs> um. Anyways, and um, because. They found blood in his on the wall in his apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, whose apartment is this? Mark. Mark. Oh, so they found blood in Mark's apartment. Yes, they found blood in Mark's apartment when he had arrived um, the night of the murder to Melinda's side. He had recently showered. Um, okay. There. Uh, so he'd, he'd showered, he'd washed his his apartment, he'd scrubbed down the shower and mm-hmm. um, taken out garbage. Also, w- oddly enough, there were, there was blood particles found in his vacuum cleaner. Oh, okay. So like he, okay. In his midst of cleaning up, he also vacuumed his apartment, I, I'm assuming? I, yeah, but whether or not, I'm assuming that if they think that he did this and there was brain matter and that he probably had this on him as well and maybe dropped off his clothing. Oh, God, that's gross. Um, but, but at the time, you know, forensics wasn't was it is, as what it is today. Oh, yeah, nowhere near. And um, they, like, were barely getting into DNA stuff, right? right? Yeah. Right. And Actually, they might not have even had it yet. I cannot say In 82? But, but, but interesting enough, then, when this investigation was still open, they're still looking into Mark, um, the... Um, the evidence room at the police station has 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 um, has, has a fire, and um, amazingly, 
their evidence and stuff that they had gathered thus far um, was wet and, and damaged. And basically the the case... Um, oh, so they couldn't actually use that evidence anymore because it well, had been essentially with, tampered not with. Not with what they had available. I mean, the, the forensics at the time. Right. And um, so the, the case went cold. Very David graduated. Um, he went on... Um, to actually go to Harvard Business, which was very out of character with um, students that went to um, Mid-America Nazarene University. Uh, most of them, you know, became more involved in their in their church. Mm-hmm. Um, however, he um, he. He didn't. He went to Harvard Business School. Um, he graduated um, top of his class uh, with an MBA. He went on to marry shortly after his graduation another student um, from Mid America Nazarene University, um, a person that he, a woman that he had previously dated before, and she actually thought he was gay. <laughs> Um, because showed like no interest, no interest. In, yeah, uh, you know, interesting. Not, Why would you marry him then? I you options know, were slim, I guess. I I don't know, but but in this in this marriage, um, I did not see how long they were married. They did have two children, um, but Mark kind of left the church. He he began mm-hmm. drinking, um, not yeah. like not like excessive, but you know, okay, drink alcohol, uh-huh. um, and um. Just drifted away from the church. Okay, and uh, I mean, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. No, there's there's not. People people grow. People go in different directions. And mm-hmm. uh, and actually, you know, where he was at, um, he was he was um, a VP of Pepsi Cola. So he's in this corporate world. Mm-hmm. Very 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 much so. Kind of expanding his worldview, right? But it's just different, totally different from mm-hmm. what what he was raised in. You know, mm-hmm. the atmosphere that he was raised in, um, and you know that there's nothing wrong with with that. Um, by all accounts, he he was a pretty compassionate um, em- employer. Uh, one person stated at one point there was a huge snowstorm; people could not be getting to work, and he. He was literally calling folks at the bottling company for Pepsi and saying, we make sugar water. Don't come into work. It's not worth, you know, your life. Oh, okay. You know, mm-hmm. so um, just, uh, you know, what they said, a compassionate person. Um, and, and and very successful in his, in his business career. Um, he... Uh, he he went on um, to become a um, a New York marketing executive, and that's what he was at the time. Um, uh, you know, twenty years later. So, so this case, this murder case, left unsolved in Olathe, Kansas. As Aletha grew, they never really forgot it. You know, I mean, it was so I mean, that's brutal. A, yeah, it's a gnarly and, attack and and un, un, unanswered. So, and and during this time, um, leaps and bounds had been made in in forensics, um, and uh, two officers kind of wanted to test out their their. Um, their new forensic capabilities. And they asked the Olitha um, police, you know, do you, do you have any old cold cases, you know, that we could, mm-hmm. could work on and stuff? And they're like, well, as a matter of fact, we do. So they gave them the information, the, the um, what do I want to say, um, all the materials that they had. And they started going through this and things were definitely not right. I mean, like this is when they noticed that the blood sp- splatter that Melinda could not have been in bed next to her husband right. upon the first blow at all mm-hmm. because lack of physical evidence on her, lack uh, on the pillow next to her, how the blood splatter would be where she would have been. Right. Um, they did find out 
they did determine that it was a crowbar, which was used. Oh, man. Um, and they also could trace back that Mark had purchased a crowbar at the local hardware store the day before the murder. What an idiot. Come on, man. Um, and you could at least try to cover that up. So they, they wanted to be very careful in, in putting together this evidence. They knew that they would really have one shot at at trying to, um, you know, arrest Melinda and Mark mm-hmm. for this for this crime. And they, they really wanted to do things right. Um, David, as I mentioned before, was an only child. His parents were still living. Um, his father was a teacher. And I guess their home was filled with pictures of of former students and their children. They came, they kind of adopted them as, as their grandchildren. Never had that. And, um, so they, they just really wanted justice to be done. Yeah. So finally they, after, after, um, reviewing everything that they've had, um, they finally thought that they were ready to interview Melinda. Mm. So, um, she wasn't hard to find. Um, when Melinda went back, uh, when her father took her back to Ohio, uh, she ended up marrying um, a dentist uh, and uh, is now known as Melinda Raish. And her and her husband had been married almost 20 years. They had, uh, I think, basically she lived the life of a soccer mom. Um, very involved in her two kids' um, activities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, husband was had a very successful um, um, cosmetic dental practice. They lived well. Um, and they thought in order to, to catch her off guard, they, they just really had to come at her cold. Mm-hmm. So one day... In 2001, a knock came out the door to Melinda Raish's home. And it was two detectives. Wanted to talk to her about her former, her first husband's death. And to their surprise, they, she invited him in. Interesting. And um, so they asked, they asked, you know, they said that they were, they're looking back into it. Um now that they have, you know, more, better. Better technology. Right, yeah. right. And they just really wanted, um, if, would my, would would she mind t- t- telling them, you know, to recount what happened that night? hmm And so, yes, no problem. Um, ask them if they want tea, you know, just mm-hmm. being walking in her home. And she starts off and... I guess the, the the detectives are looking at each other like, what she's saying right now is not what she said in 1982. Oh, she changed her story. Yes. Yeah, so they they they're just like, okay. So eye what contact. did she say? So what she said was, um, there was a single person. Oh, instead um, of two. Yeah. She had said two before, right? Two black men. Right. Okay. And and another thing that caught strafe in the, in um, Aletha at the time was that the police were kind of looking at Melinda and Mark, and townspeople were really upset that they were not looking for these these black men that right, did this. Of you know, they, they they've been they've had an idea of of the suspects. Why aren't they going after them? Why are they wasting their time on the the wife and friend? Uh, Maybe because police understand that usually you want to look at the people closest to the victim and and not just like, but these two black men. That's a great description. You know how many people that would have fit? Right. And and very um, stereotypical. Yeah. You know. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyways, so but but so the detectives make eye contact and they're like, "Holy shit, she's changing her story. Let's mm-hmm. see where this goes." Mm-hmm. So um, they, um, you know, they said, "Oh, uh, can you know? Can you describe him?" And and she said, "Well, he had like a homemade mask over his head, 
but she felt that it was Mark. Oh, okay. And and they're like they're <laughs> like okay, a drastic how, change. How how did you see him? Could you say she's like no? I I just I just could. I felt his presence. I felt that it was him. So she never really went out and fingered him, fingered Mark. Okay. And she, and, um, but then, then said that, that, you know, that, that the beating happened and then, and then they left. Um, so no. Like, what was she, she, what was she, she doing this whole time? Like, just. Watching it she, happen? She can't really, really... I mean, I guess you'd probably go into shock. Recall. That's right. The detectives, they they um, stated that they th- they thought that, that she, but with her being vague, that she was trying to outsmart them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and play them so that they couldn't really tag anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, but the, but they were they were just completely they did she did take them off guard and that she changed her story mm-hmm. and then then the feeling that this was Mark so at this point they're like okay okay we we need to get this on on you know record record mm-hmm. so they asked her if if she wouldn't mind coming down to the local department and and uh, giving a statement no not at all um, uh, she did. And again, they went through this on tape. And again, she was evasive, you know, like I felt a present, not like I saw him. I knew this was it, you know. And and Weird. then um, again, you know, she, she said that she was hit on the face, the cheek. She did have a, have a, a bruise, no broken skin, but that, that knocked her out for hours. And according mm-hmm. to... to um, Medical experts, if she actually took a blow that hard on on her head, that she would not be able to to remember these details. Yeah, you know, it'd be at the least fuzzy. Right, right. But again, she never fingered Mark. She she said, you know, she just she felt it was him, um, and that um, she did admit that they were having um, a, a, a relationship. Uh, um, like a romantic relationship. Or? Yes. Okay. Yes, and that she knew that that was wrong, and that was frowned upon in their church. Um, but the last time that she had saw Mark was actually at David's funeral, and um, and and you know they. A lot of people that were, you know, kind of suspicious of of, of Melinda and Mark having an affair, um, you know, that was kind of blown in the water because after the murder, they went separate ways and they never saw each other again. Yeah. So it was like, well, maybe, maybe they were just, you know, the three of them were just good friends and or whatever, and and left that lay. Anyways, they they did um, they did end up arresting. Melinda then that night on the spot um, and took her into custody for the murder of her husband in 1982. And um, th- through throughout the the investigation, because um, she she never really fingered out Mark until. It came down to before her trial. And um, she basically implicated Mark as trying to reduce her sentence down. Mm. Um, Like a plea deal. Yes, yes. And she said that the last words Mark ever spoke to her was at her, what was at David's funeral. And he leaned over and he said, I got rid of the crowbar. Oh. So, um, and then... So clearly that, like, implicates her in some degree. Yes. Because why would he tell her that if she wasn't involved in some way? Yes. And so Mark is arrested at his home, um, which now he lives in a posh um, 
uh, area of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, he is um, he's a high up marketing um, exec in New York. He's remarried to another lady, Christine, who's like she's also very high up in um, in the marketing scene there. Um, they have one child, and she's pregnant with their second child. Oh God! And uh, so they, so, you know, police come and to to arrest him, and and uh, she's like, you know, well, it can't be, Mark. We we talked about this when we first um, got together. You know, told each other about everything, and he he said that he was at one time a suspect in the murder of his best friend. You know. And, mm-hmm. But but of course you know this isn't this isn't true this isn't right right anyway so but they did arrest him and they did um, extradite him back to Kansas right and he um, maintained his innocence um, that he had nothing to do with the with the murder of his friend um, and during during this time that he was you know. Um, when he was refuting charges against him, um, Melinda went to went to trial, and um, she was, of course, convicted um, of second degree murder okay. because of the plea deal, and was sentenced um, to ten to twenty years in prison for the death of her husband. Only ten to twenty. Well. It's not first degree. Oh, right, right, right. Anyways, so, and a part of this was that she would testify at Mark's trial that was coming up. And um, so at the time, so this was in uh, 2005 that the trials were coming about. Mm -hmm. Her Melinda's was, she was tried in 2005 and um, convicted and Mark's trial was coming up in 2006. So during this time, um, actually, one of my uh, uh, sources, um, Forty Eight Hours, did uh, a segment on this. Oh, and they actually interviewed um, Mark and his wife Christine, and which they maintained his innocence this whole time. Right, of course. Um, and you know that that. I, I believe it during this interview is when it was leaked that Melinda was going to testify against him at his hearing. Oh, and he didn't know. He didn't know about Ooh, that. I bet he was like, oh, shit. But still throughout the interview said, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm. be absolved of this and right, yeah, I didn't to do, do with it. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, came time for his trial and, uh, Excuse me. Um, he went, which was held in Kansas, so he was back there. And before the trial start started, he actually um, went to his lawyers and pleaded guilty. What? Really? Yes. And that he would plead guilty and not go through the trial if he would get murdered in the second. Um, Homie, somebody got to get murdered in the first. Come on. Nope. Really? Really. So neither they were. He mm. was also. Um, I feel like they could have won that trial. Uh, I. I think they. At this point, they that was a victory at at this late in the, the game. That's and fair. Having, I guess it was more than twenty years later now. Yes, and so um, he 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 was um, he was. Uh, Convicted of murder in the second, and um, was sentenced to prison. So, Melinda was sentenced to prison in two thousand five, mm-hmm. and um, Mark was sentenced to prison in prison in two thousand six. Both are now free. What? Yep, Melinda. Now- Melinda served nine years in prison for the death of her husband. What? What? And then she was she was released on parole. She is back um, with her husband. 
her current husband. Um, okay, first of all, I would be afraid to marry her. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, so you killed one husband. I'm going to be forever sleeping with my eye open. Like, Yeah, I, and it's, it's, I would, from encounters from, I said that, that it sounds like a very estranged marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like when he, when when uh, Doctor Rish would call her when she was in prison, like the phone conversations were, "You are my guiding light," you know, not like, "How are you doing?" or right. anything, you know. I will you maintain this? Just really weird. Huh. Um, and then he would read, you know, ber- uh, Bible verses from from their their Bible and okay. And stuff. So so just just weird. Um, Interesting. And so it's more like a facade kind of deal. Yeah, just like. And and again, in their in their religion, their faith, the the the, the affection, the the. Oh, uh, what do I, intimacy mm-hmm. was was not displayed. That's, you know? Yeah, true. Um, very interesting. At the time of both Christine's at, at her trial, David's father was there. Um, at the time, he, he spoke. God, how could you even look at his parents? Like- and what the sad thing is is that his wife had just passed from cancer. So she never lived to see justice for their for, for their, her son. For their son. Oh. But he did he did speak at at the at the the hearing and um you know said said you know how hard it has been that you know when when people show you pictures of their grandchildren, show pictures of their family, you know, mm-hmm. then and, and they don't have. They and don't we get never that. had that opportunity. God. We never. How how much pain that was for their life. Oh my gosh! And now she has children, and yes, she has two children. Will probably eventually have grandchildren. Mark had, and Mark had. Um, he has four children. You know, so mm-hmm. so their mm-hmm. lives. Besides having a hiccup of nine years in jail, was 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 not at all impacted by their deed. And um, so then the next year in two thousand six, when Mark came to trial, David's father was there again, and he basically said almost verbatim the same thing that he said at Melinda's trial, you know, about having their 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 future of of being you know grandparents and and all that that taken away and their son taken away and. Um, so it's very heartbreaking. And at the time he was 84. Um, but then, um, Mark was released from prison the next year. Um, his wife, current wife was still waiting for them. Wait, how long did he serve in jail? So he, he served, he served actually 10 years. So it was 2016. Okay. So he got out the year after, after, after Melinda. Melinda got out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The way you phrased it, it sounded like he got out like a year after his oh, trial. No, and no, I was no, like, no, no. what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no. Um, so he, he's also, he technically it was 10 whole years. Okay. Um, okay. That he was in. Still not enough, but okay. And um, it was released his, his back, um, moved back to New York with his, his still current wife, Christine stayed with him and had their second child and, and. Jesus. Yeah. So basically, they got away with murder. Yeah. Wow. Um, I don't know how anybody could marry or, like, continue to stay with those people. Because, I mean, like, uh, like especially, like, Mark. Like, he beat the living crap out of David. Like, yeah, and, and that, that's it. Can you that imagine not- the how much built up anger and hatred that you must have? Yeah, like did it ever come out? Like why? Well, that that they they wanted to be together, and in and in and in 1982 they said divorce was not an option. 
Right. In, well, it in was, the, but the Church of the Nazarene. <laughs> well, that w- that you would be basically a social uh, pariah. Yeah. 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 And and neither of them in their like I said, she was used to being the it girl, mm-hmm. you know, growing up, dad being a big wig in the church, and right. and I, you know, am so pristine. I can be a a a, a tattletale on people that I you know, that aren't following, you know, the the, the church rules and stuff. Right, and, right, right. And and he was, you know, big man on campus. Um, had. You Just know, get so the divorce, people. Char- charmed on. life, maybe, is what you'd would say, and and rather have any mar on that, and and then. Instead, let's just commit murder because that's not worse than divorce. And I don't somehow. I don't. I think like it never came out. I don't. And then they didn't even get together afterwards. No, no. I think that. I mean, I'm in sure the that- aftermath. It was of what. It, they never. It was never vocalized or verbalized. I wonder if they realized in the aftermath, like, oh, we can't get together because that's going to raise some red flags. I think that. I think in the aftermath, my take on from from the books I read, the and the articles I read, that that I think they they just. Well, she was whisked away by her family. Right. But it was not like like she pined after him or or anything. And I think they were, um, oh, what do I want to say? Either shell shocked or whatever by what they did. Mm-hmm. That then their their interest that they had in each other just dissipated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I'm, I'm I imagine that just looking at each other, they probably couldn't think of anything else. No, how could you? Like And except for the coldness though. Like how do you how do you at the man's funeral? How do you right, you just tell leave his and his widow and your co-comp uh accomplice, accomplice that yeah. that you <laughs> Don't did worry, away. I got rid of the weapon. Yeah, I got rid of the evidence. Ugh. Ugh. How can you live with yourself? I don't know. Like how I, the fact that they both went on and just lived normal ass lives, and at least from I'm assuming what you found, like didn't have any trouble with, nope. like didn't have need any sort of therapy or whatever. Like no, no, and and I um. No, like I said, I in retrospect, some people think that that Mark, in his, you know, like like I said, the example of the Pepsi, you know, we make sugar water, don't risk your lives coming in here, or some of his compassion, you know, things that he was was his way of of showing remorse for what he had done. Mm. Um, but but it's still he he maintained up until the fact up until when he learned that Melinda was going to testify against him at his trial mm-hmm. that he was completely innocent and had with nothing to do with it. So I mean there's self-preservation in that and there that's that's a pretty strong motive, pretty strong motivator. Yeah, but well I guess yeah because by that point he had made a name for himself. He had a new family. Oh yeah, and I mean, he he was he was a high roller. He they were very rich. Um but you know, basically until it came to the point where he knew he was screwed. Right. Yeah. Right. And then he then he cut a deal. And um and I just this so an, an annoys me that our justice system does that. Like, yes. like that that's an option for those well, that are like, Well, I know I'm guilty, but um if I admit that I'm guilty, I can get a better sentence for myself. Like yeah. and and at this, you know, they were I guess one more you know they were hoping that we could bring closure to to David's father, um, who was at the time of the sentencing. You know, eighty four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know at that point if you if there's closure. As I say, yeah, to me, not really. Like, okay, great, we confirmed who who did it, but like, yeah. I mean, did they even did they even apologize? Like, 
Um, and especially like Melinda, so like she was part of this yeah. family for some no, time. No, never apologized in there at their hearing Ugh. to his face or anything. Yeah, they're despicable people in my mind. Yeah, it, I, I, it just, it's, it just seems so surreal that they can. Like I said, ha- have a hiccup of of nine years, ten years mm-hmm. of their life, and and then go back as if nothing as even as happened. Nothing happened. Yeah. And and for, uh, from my understanding, um, there was never any information about that their children would didn't want anything to do with them or anything. But you know, just welcome back into the fold and sud <laughs> <So>, dad. <laughs> like you know, welcome and, back home. <laughs> and, and continued on and and um but it's I, I to me anyways, I just cannot imagine how much how much fury or hatred you have to to have in order to beat someone like that seriously someone that you spent time with most every day yeah and that you considered like your best friend yeah like what and 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 then to just no remorse just just go on you know uh i don't know it's that so that that to me was what was so intriguing about this is how does how does that work Seriously, how how do you commit such a brutal? I mean, sociopath. Yeah, but but then ne- never anything again. Well, you can be a sociopath and not kill multiple like yeah times. But, you know, like but I, or kill I, at all. Anyways, that is um, that is my story today. Wow. Um, yeah, that's. That's crazy. It is crazy. It and it's still so hard to understand how how um well, I guess it shouldn't be that hard. I mean, look at today. You know, how how a power of a church could have so much power over 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 government, over over the law. Mm, yep. Um mm-hmm. you see that so much so so prevalent right now. Um yeah, yeah it is. And um. Yeah, that's that is so crazy. It's it's a terribly sad story. It really is. My heart goes out to to David's parents. Yes, I mean I assume they're both dead now, but um, I I don't know. I know his mother is. There's nothing saying that his father was deceased, even though he was 84 at the. In two thousand six, so probably, probably, but yeah. I just can't imagine that hole in their soul that they lived with. Yeah, um, like I hope that it eats away at them on a daily somehow. I do. I I hope so too. But I don't think. I think it doesn't seem like it does. No, I don't know if it's if it's a narcissist narcissism or what but but how they can i guess if you could just compartmentalize super yeah, well but, but like, like they said that like when they were interviewing um melinda you know in when they first talked to her in 2001 they it was just like they said she felt she thought herself so much more superior that she could outsmart them outmaneuver mm-hmm. um the detectives and thought that well, I mean, if Daddy raised you with like thinking that you were a princess and that you can do nothing wrong, and that it'd be ridiculous to ever think that you could do anything so heinous, like if you yeah. grow up with that empowerment, like yeah, oh, and you know, and also the the, the empowerment of, like I said, like in my mind, um, you know, to 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 tattle or snitch on people that you see or deem that aren't following the Mm -hmm. rules, you know, or whatever. I mean, that, that's got to lend, I mean, that's, that's got to be a 
very self-righteous, self-important person. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it's a bizarre story. But I guess in a way there was some amount of justice done. Um yeah, I, I mean, I guess now everybody knows who did it, but... Right, right. And they did obviously get some sort of punishment, but not adequate in my mind. No, I, 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 don't, I don't think so. But it's, it's amazing the, I think, the empowerment of, of your religious beliefs, what, they can, that, what that can do, and also your status within that community. Mm-hmm. You know that mm-hmm. um, I am. I am. I am the ruler, and yeah, I'm above. Yeah, above the law. All of these, and mm-hmm. so yeah. Like I said, uh, a little bit of heavy stuff there. Uh, very interesting. Um, and um, maybe check out, check out the book um, uh, that will be listed down in our um, comments um, on this, A Cold-Blooded Business. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It is interesting. Um, and that's what I've got. Wow. Well, thank you for yes. for your case this week. That uh, uh, just makes me want to go on a rant about many things, but I will save the audience that. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Booze and Bloodshed. Uh, we will be uh, posting relevant photos uh, and whatnot for each case on there. So if you're interested in checking that out, go give us a follow there. Uh, and we'll be back at it next week with another case. So until then. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.